0: welcome to the power of property podcast i am your host ellie mckay a property investor and developer and this podcast is for anyone who shares my passion for property whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started i want to take you to the next level i'm going to be bringing some real chat with some of the uk's leading property entrepreneurs we'll be sharing wisdom and industry insights without any of the bs Property's absolutely transformed my life and I know it has the potential to change yours too. Enjoy. Hi everyone, Ellie Mackay here and welcome to this week's episode where I am joined by a very special guest, um, my mentor and now very good friend, Paul McFadden. Now, for those of you who don't know Paul, not only is he a property coach, but he's also a business coach. He's a force to be reckoned with in the wealth creation space and has shared the stage as a keynote speaker with the likes of Robert Kiyosaki and Grant Cardone. He is best-selling author to three books and he is, uh, from a standing start, not only built up his own multi-million pound property portfolio, but he's actually working on land and new build development sites. At the moment, they're worth over 300 million. So, firstly, thank you for being my guest.
1: Thanks, Ellie. Exciting, that was a great introduction, so.
0: I was quite impressed with that, Yeah, it, yeah, really yeah, good. So let's start with a nice, broad question, Paul. Okay. Who is Paul McBadden?
1: Wow. When I figure that one out, I think (laughs) then we could do it then. (laughs) So, yeah, who's Paul McFadden? Yeah, I think these days, uh, for me, I like to class myself as an investor. Yeah. Right, because um, obviously my whole story of being getting started in property and... Pretty much been in the trenches working away trying to build something to build a business
0: sorry let me just stop you there okay. because for anyone who doesn't know your story yeah. when i say from a standing start it really was you didn't have a penny to your name you were brought up in quite a, i think it's fair to say quite a rough area in glasgow called pollock there was a lot of sort of um, gang violence there was drugs there was knife warfare it was quite a tough environment to kind of grow up in and making money certainly wasn't for people like you. So how did you first start going down this crazy path?
1: Yeah, so Pollock today is very different, very different. If you were to go through Pollock just now, you wouldn't see what I went through. Yeah. So yeah, tough scheme, um, neighborhood. Grew up with a single parent household, my mum, two younger sisters, and she did the best that she could possibly do, Mm -hmm. you know, as a single parent. Um, but we did struggle, we struggled to you know put food on the table and mm-hmm. um, we have running jokes that every bit of food that we got was yellow all came out of frying pan you know it was just chips every day and anything that was <laughs> literally shoved in a microwave or in a deep fat fryer so we're probably malnourished as well growing <laughs> up right. So um, and for me it was it's was quite a challenge seeing other kids get newer things mm-hmm. whether it's cloves or whatever the newest thing at the time was. And we were always getting hand-me-downs and, and, um, and always blaming my mum. I was like, mum, why don't we have these things? Yeah. It's your fault that we don't have, you know, a dad around. It's your fault that, you know, that we're not being able to go on holidays or going on trips. And I had such an entitled attitude and mm-hmm. I blame my mum for everything. And my mum's the most amazing person ever. She was just operating on what she knew how to do life. She didn't know how to manage money. She never knew how to change her circumstances and situation. So she was doing the best that she could possibly do. But I never thought at the time that that was good enough. Mm-hmm. So I get a shock. Uh, in the terms of people around me would say that I had a shitty attitude and you know you've got this entitlement attitude and you know you need to start thinking differently and if you want something in life you need to go out there and and work hard for it Mm -hmm. so um, my uncle which was my mum's brother my uncle he kind of got me in to uh, think about uh, one of the things you always talk about is if you're going to do anything do it with excellence right Mm -hmm. now um, if I had to sweep up or dig a hole or anything because I ended up working with him as a As um, you know, when he was in construction, I was end up working him as a general labourer and all that kind of stuff. And he would always put me through my paces and get me to work hard and Mm -hmm. to try and get me to think a little bit differently. So for me, um, you know, mum done the best that she could possibly do, having that shitty attitude, having people telling me I had a shitty attitude. I would find myself looking online of how do I work on myself and mm-hmm. the big characters that most people are aware of, your Tony Robbins, your Chris Howers, your Jim Rowans, your Harv Akers, mm-hmm. these people would pop up mm-hmm. and it was all about having a different mindset, thinking positively, having a different attitude, you know, if you really want to be successful you want to change your circumstances, get around different people and, 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 and learn about how to, you know... Um, how to become a better version of you. Mm -hmm. So I'd go on all these different training courses and the first course I went to was a Harvey course and the title was um, Millionaire Mind Intensive. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, if I'm gonna go on this course here, um, Millionaire Mind Intensive, this is where I'm gonna make money, this is what I'm gonna do. And that changed my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it it got me out my social circles, it got me to um, change the people I was interacting with
0: well, let's just dive a little bit deeper on that okay. because your network these days is very different. Mm-hmm. But as a young lad from Pollock, at what age when you first started with all this?
1: With personal development yeah. things, 19. So you're a yeah.
0: 19, 19 year old lad coming back to your friends. How did it go down as you started changing how you viewed the world? Yeah. Because there's going to be a lot of people taking an interest in this. People around you start changing. I'm guessing you, Came up against a little bit of friction, and as a teenager, you know, I found this very difficult to yeah. do. In my thirties, but as a teenager, you know, how did that impact you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because no one likes um, no one likes you to change. Mm-hmm. They want you to be like who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, they remember you as who you are and who they interact with every single day. So when you go to a seminar and you come back, you're on cloud nine, you're you're thinking differently, you're coming back, you want to take on the world, and I made all the mistakes that you should not do, coming back and telling all my pals I'm going to be a millionaire, Mm -hmm. right, so straight away you're getting ridiculed, oh there's Paul, he's going to be the millionaire, and then you become the piss take, don't you, Mm -hmm. you know, so at the weekends when you're out with your same social circle, you start to realise, wow, I'm actually disconnected from them now I'm thinking differently mm-hmm. you know and you start to work out is am I the actual crazy oh, one or yeah. are they all the, you know so for me um it was in the early days because here's the truth see because of my struggles that's what led me to search yeah and I always talk about this is that um, I mean I probably had it a lot tougher than most of my friends I kept it hidden a lot um and that there was probably because I had a more drive to try and make money like literally I knew that money would change things Mm -hmm. I would look at those who had the nicer cars I'm not talking about Bentleys and Ferraris I'm talking about just a nicer car Mm -hmm. you know going on one holiday a year and um, been able to have new trainers for the start of school. Like I mean, I'm talking about those things.
0: I've heard your reference before as well, having to carry when going with your mum for the weekly food shop and having to carry it back because he didn't have a car and just... L-
1: L- I've got like, I mean, I'm not the only one who has got these stories. Everyone's got these types of stories and, yeah. and you know, it, it's good to share the stories because mm. when you reflect and realise how far you've come. So for me in the early days, it was just seeing the struggle seen others having things and I knew that if you had money then you have what everyone craves in life, choices and options. Mm -hmm. The choice to whether you work, because I just didn't do well in in employment. I, I, I just didn't do well. It wasn't that I didn't respect authority because I totally did. That was something that my uncle instilled into me, is to always respect people and listen to your elders and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And with the shitty attitude, I never really done that. But when you go through and you're learning all this stuff, you realise you've got to respect those. But I looked at the corporate ladder because I got a degree in IT and... Um, And the reason I got a degree in IT is because the family says, if you want to make money, you need to get into computers, right? So then I got the degree in IT, got my first job in computers, hated everything to do with computers. And I remember looking up the corporate ladder and my first job was 15 grand a year salary. It was 13 grand if I worked for three months, it would increase my salary to 15 grand, which they did, they kept me on. And my family thought I'd made it. They thought like, oh my God, if you just keep on working up the, never say work up the corporate ladder, but if you just keep on working up and doing hard, one of these days you'll be in the senior management. And I looked at the corporate ladder and I thought, those that are in their late 40s, 50s, who are in top positions, they're coming into the office earlier in the morning, Mm -hmm. they're working later at the night, they're always bitching in the morning, complaining about, (laughs) you know, uh, working too hard and... Um, they're moaning about their family, and yeah. you know, the, and I'm, and, and I'm sitting there going, and they most of them are overweight, you know, they're looking to escape at the weekend, Friday night to go and hit the, you know, the pub or whatever. And I thought, when you start earning more money and you get to that stage in your life, isn't that when you're supposed to have more time, not staying in the longer hours in the office, spending more time with family, looking forward, not trying to go and escape? I'm like, that's a total disconnect. That's so. How can this corporate ladder stuff be what I want? I don't want to wait till I'm in that age to be earning 60, 70 grand a year, I want to earn that now. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, how can I get the fast track? How can I get to the senior positions as quick as possible? And unfortunately, or fortunately for me, um, IT just wasn't what I wanted to do. And because I've going on all these different personal development training courses, learning more about me, being more empowered, and then disconnecting myself from my my social network at the time because I was just evolving to be a different person and I couldn't spend the same time with them. Um, All good friends, but they were just on their own journey. For me, um, I was on my journey, and that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and start my first business as an events promoter. So I promote people that were hypnotists, stage performers, mm-hmm. comedians, you know, all these different people. And I take a cut on the ticket sales. Yeah. So I'm talking about grafting when I'm like um, 18, 19, mm-hmm. um, going on 20. And it was around about this time here. And by the way, that failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Failed miserably. But I quit my IT job. Um, everybody thought I was crazy. My mum was like, well, I'll support you. But, you know, what are you going to do? You need to... Cause because you only remember yourself, you have to pay digs, because yes. i still learning my mum, right? And um, she's like, well, what are you going to do now? And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure, and then your mates turn around and say, ah, you shouldn't have done that. And that's kind of when I came across property, because I was online. I was online searching every day, how to get rich and quit.
0: There's a really, I think, powerful point in there, because when we got into property, the reality was it was to earn, for me, it was to earn more money. It was as simple as that. And when I started getting more and more into personal development and started working on myself, I really started exploring the successes about so much more. The money in the bank, it's really about sort of, you know, living your your best life and achieving, you know, fulfillment and inner peace and happiness, all of that kind of stuff. But when a lot of people set up their new business. It is simply to make money, whether it's get rich quick or whether people are a bit more realistic about the approach. And I feel that there can be a bit of a pressure on people these days to start with the end in mind. What is your why? I think you are proof because you've got quite a powerful mission which we'll get on to yeah and you actually do a lot of charitable work and you've got things that you're hugely passionate about but at the start as a 19 year old lad there's nothing wrong with getting into business to because we're entrepreneurs because we want to make money and actually just focus on doing that safe in the knowledge that you don't need to necessarily start with the end of mine
1: oh like the end of mine for me was just to um, have money, like, like I always tell it, you should not feel guilty at all if what you're doing is just selfishly to make more money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, let's face it, the, the the upbringing I had, not having the struggles, uh, and some of the stories like are, are just crazy how mm. we got by. So for me, money was the solution. Yeah, that was the solution. More money. If you had more money, you can make better choices. You can do better things. And the whole idea of Um, why you do it, your vision and everything, that will unfold later. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to uh, get out of the circumstances I was in. Mm. And this is why when I'm online searching for, uh, get get rich quick, I I needed money, I needed it fast. Mm -hmm. And thankfully at the time, this is all before the 2008 recession, the property recession then, everything that kept on popping up online was property. And I went along to a a property seminar and this changed my life because it, it led me down the whole path of property. It's an American company. They came over and I went to to the event. There was about 30 people in the room and I'm sitting at the back of the room here. I'm the youngest person there. People came up to me and asked me where my parents were. I looked like I was 12 years old, sitting at the back of the room, felt a bit more comfortable because I'd been to different networking events from Harv and Tony Robbins by this time. So I'm like, this is not, you know, alien to me. And And I'm just sitting listening and the woman blew my mind away. She's like, okay, If you buy a property today that's worth 100,000, in the next 10 or so years it's gonna double in value. So I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm working this out. I'm like, okay, so if I buy a property that's 100 grand, it's gonna double in value by the time I'm 30. So if I buy 10 of these here, that's a one million pound portfolio. By the time I'm 30, it's gonna double in value to be two million. I sell that portfolio, I've made a million quid. And I shit you not, I literally left, went home, told my mum, "That's it. I'm going to look after everybody. I've made it. I've got the formula for success. I'm going to be a millionaire." Like I was so convinced, and and I, you know, it's like when you tell some people at like this, to think you've just lost your mind. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, I'm glad that happened, and we know it never quite worked out that way when the recession came and everything else, which was good timing really because good. I was already poor. So yeah. when the recession came. For me, it was like, well great, I don't have money, so it's not like it's going to affect me and it just got me to be more resourceful rather than thinking about not having the money, not having the contacts, the knowledge, looking like I was 12 years old, having bad credit already at a young age. All the things that should normally hold someone back from getting started, I'm like, it's not going to be me because I'm already at ground zero. I just need to become more resourceful and this property thing is what I want to do.
0: Before you got to that point, you really, truly had to, I mean, you've touched on the Harbecker, you had to go to war with yourself, didn't you? And I have heard some of the stories when you went on the Enlightened Warrior training camp.
1: Keep that quiet. I mean, are (laughs) we able to share that
0: story about some of the crazy stuff that you had to do and the extremes you had to go to, to strip yourself right back and, and almost rebuild as an entirely different person, a better version of yourself?
1: Yeah. Understand that uh, this is something I always say and it's um, it's a punch in the gut for someone, like who you are today, the money you have or the money you don't have, the relationships you're in, um, the health that you have, Mm -hmm. like everything that you have in your life to this moment, you should congratulate yourself because you've created it. Mm -hmm. And when you say that to some people they're like, what do you mean? that I've got this here and I've got that, this is, I never create. well it is because it's the choices, mm-hmm. the options, the decisions you've made, the actions you've taken has led you to this point. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I looked at where I was in my life and the results that I was having and I'm like, I am creating this, I need to do some things differently. Mm-hmm. So going to these personal development courses and the one that you're talking about, which I couldn't tell anyone was going on because enlightened warrior training camp, right? <laughs> it took me to Malaysia, it was a Harveker training course. And that there, like the seven days you were there just immersed in that experiential experience transformed my life, it transformed me. Because I, I, I understood up until that moment, everything that I had, I created. It was like, it was like, a, like oh my God. Mm-hmm. Do you know that way it's a wake up call, you're like, for fuck's sake, I've actually built this here. And i thought okay well there's only one way of changing this is if i come back and make different choices make different decisions take different actions and that's how you evolve to become a better version Mm -hmm. and if you're always mindful of that because you always come to a point where you plateau again
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you have to realize that okay there's a next level to this i need to make different choices different decisions and then that's where you disconnect from certain people, you get around a different network that levels you up again.
0: Well, it's not a popular message, is it? It's not. Because when you take full accountability for yourself and, yeah. and truly believe that you are exactly where you deserve to be, then other people can feel, you can, yeah, you can knock some noses out of joint really, can't you, very, very quickly. Because when you stop taking excuses for yourself and focus on who do I need to become and We spoke about this before, the person that you need to be to bring home a six-figure salary is very different to the person that you need to be to bring home a a seven-figure salary and an eight-figure salary. But then we're applying that same method to absolutely all areas of our life as well. And this is where, you know, I'm so blessed to have met you guys all those years ago now because it was about so much more than property. The journey is about... Success is about a lot more than wealth. If you're not enjoying the process and you're not in good health and you're not in the right energy with your family and have the right priorities. So I've went off on a bit of a tangent, but the self-development was almost more important for you as well than the property training because you've learned the technical stuff, you've learned the strategies, you've learned how to create wealth. But yeah. at first you had to look in the mirror, you know, you didn't like who you were and you, you had to, to really go to work on becoming the person that you've evolved into today.
1: Yeah. This is why mindset is such a bi- big topic on everything we teach, Yeah, you know. When people come to any of our programmes, there's a hev- like a real heavy focus on mindset. Yeah, it's, it's getting up here right. Because, you know, you can have different people that come and, and learn stuff about property as an example or learn anything in general, mm-hmm. but if that's operating on the wrong mindset, They'll never go and fulfil its truest potential of what yeah. they can actually go and do, because we limit ourselves all the time. Uh, we don't even know that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We self-sabotage all the time. We don't even know we're doing mm-hmm. it. Uh, we talk ourselves out of a good thing all the time. Mm-hmm. We keep ourselves within our comfort zone. You know, we are not designed to put ourselves out there. We're not. Des- you know, we have got this whole fight and flight system. Mm-hmm. You know, that's built into us that the thought of speaking in front of people, public speaking, yeah. the thought of um, taking on a big mortgage for a property you're about to buy, um, you know, doing something that's not the norm, especially within your peer groups, you know, your body just kicks into flight mode. It wants to run away from doing uncomfortable things. And if you don't get control of that, which I had to and, thankfully did at an early stage by going to these different seminars, because they, they, they put you through those different, Pressure points to experience things in order to be able to adapt and handle um, what some people might be stressed out The their mind. I mean, my first property, I was taking on a mortgage that was five times my salary mm-hmm. and my mum my sat me down and my mum's been my biggest supporter. He's like, do you really know what you're doing? You're taking on a property, like the amount of, de- the debt was like 65 grand, the amount of debt that you're taking on, like something could go wrong. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm starting to doubt myself. And then what happens when someone starts to doubt themselves? They're getting the wrong influence into their mind because what does my mum know about it? She's operating through her limitations and her her understanding, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't get involved in this property. Maybe this is too big of a jump. What if I do make a mistake? I could ruin my whole life. I'm still young. And so many people would follow that train of thought and never, make the first step Mm. but thankfully going through personal development and working on me I'm like oh no wait a minute I need to think differently I need to surround myself with people who have gone down the path that I want to travel you know and that there is what got me through the challenging times in the early days because there was never anyone around me that could guide me in a way that these days you have with so many people that can mentor and coach you.
0: Do you think it takes an inner grit to get yourself in front of those circles in the first instance because, very similar to yourself, when we came on Property Protégé, I used very last of my redundancy money. I got me redundant when I was on maternity leave, as you know. The maternity leave came to the end was actually claiming job seekers' allowance. And the last few thousand pounds we had in the world, and we weren't destitute. We had a comfortable life. We just stereotypical middle class. We didn't have any savings, but we put every last penny into our education and the amount of resistance that we met from that, from well-intentioned family members who had very little understanding of this world and ultimately were judging us by their own limitations. But I feel like you do need to have a bit of an inner determination, an inner steel to be able to, um, you can't really call it naysayers because Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you've heard this, all those same people that were very skeptical, well-intentioned or otherwise, and they weren't all well-intentioned. It's very interesting as you, you know, your success starts to leave clues and you get more and more established and, and you know, now we've got our own multi million pound portfolio and those same people are, are sort of saying to us, you know, I always knew you could do it. We always kind of had your back. But in the first instance, we really had to learn to drown out that noise.
1: Yeah, uh, e- exactly the same. And that's the biggest challenge for most people just now is that um, who you're surrounding yourself with just now is not going to take you to the next level and that's a realisation that's a shock for so many people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, because you like your comfort zone, you yeah. like the people around you and they're not bad people, they're great people, but you're at a level that you're being kept there through who you associate with, who you spend more time with and everything else. And depending on what you want, you know, you get to certain levels in your life where you might be comfortable with this and you're happy with your network and, and that's totally fine. But I think that there's a different breed out there, like you and I, Ellie, which is all about just wanting to see how far we can push the boundaries ourselves. And that there is like never settling attitude. It's like the mindset of, well, what if I just level up again? What could I truly achieve? I'm only this age, you know, like getting involved in land and bigger developments, you know, that, that took a lot. And I'd gone through all the personal development. I'd been through all the Harvey training, the Tony Robbins training, like, I'd been through it all. Yeah. And even for me to then take the, the leap into bigger developments, that was a big shift. Because yeah. I had a comfortable life. I'm like, great, I've got the business, I've got a, lot of, a big portfolio, I've got a lot of money coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the education side of the things kicked off, I was helping so many people, they were getting results. Yeah. And I'm like, there's, there's no real requirement for me to go to the next level, yeah. other than what I thought Well, if there's another level, then isn't it worth pushing?
0: Yeah. You know? But it's interesting because you've done that with every aspect, really, because I know the story from when you launched the Scottish Property Meet, which was the first of its time... And I'd like you to tell the story about when you went on stage and completely choked. Because before we started recording this You podcast, like to remind me
1: of things I don't want to know about. It's
0: great, isn't it? Because, you know, public speaking is a challenge for a lot of people. And you yeah. shared the stage. I said in the introduction, you know, you didn't just share the stage with Grant Cardone. You actually brought him over and it was your event, the UK yeah. 10X event in Scotland. And you've been on stage with Robert Kiyosaki as one of his wealth advisors as well. So. you you regularly run events of your own where you've got hundreds of people you spoke at this property super conference in front of a thousand people so i was just saying to you as you were going through a few pointers for me there like where did you get this confidence how do you develop those skills and the reason i'm referencing that story is because even myself who knows your story there becomes a disconnect almost because you are a master of your craft, whether that's property, whether that's the bigger developments, whether that's the public speaking, whether that's the training—it's like you say, how you do anything is how you do everything. Whether it's sweeping the floor or what have yeah. you. And, and Muhammad Ali talks about this as well. Somebody had said to him, "What would you do if you weren't a boxer? It's like it'd be world class or whatever it was." And I think he used the reference whether I was, you know, emptying the bins or sweeping yeah. the street—that's kind of what I would do. And it's having that passion really for just. Doing everything to the best of your ability but it yeah. didn't start out like that and that's the point i'm trying to make yeah because when we look at you now, you're so confident but you stood on that stage how many years ago
1: oh god that's about um 11 12 11 years ago was it yeah because i was i just went full-time in property at the age of 24 so 11 years ago and um we set up the scottish property meet- And uh, it ended up growing to be the second largest property networking event in the whole of the UK. We'd run it in Glasgow on the Monday night, Edinburgh on the Tuesday night. We get a couple hundred people at every event. And my first ever event, and by the way, I did all the marketing for it. Billy and I were trying to put everything together. And uh, I'm looking at the the amount of people, I'm like, oh my God, there's gonna be a couple hundred people here. So uh, the, the first night, and I went up and, And I remember just standing in front of everybody and it was just a a sea of black suits that looked like, (laughs) right? It was just, everyone just staring at me. And uh, I I tried to talk. Nothing would come out. (laughs) Literally nothing would come out. And I remember seeing Billy at the back of his room and Billy's doing this kind of like, just say something. (laughs) And uh, we've got this in recorded as well. And it's, oh God, it's the memories. And then it, it must have been a pause of about, Five seconds, but it felt like forever for me. I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow yeah. me in. And I just took a big deep breath and I went dun, 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 and just started talking and then introduced speakers. And then the next night in Edinburgh, it, it kind of went the same way as well. And I thought, well, this can go two ways. I can just not do that again. Yeah. Or I can do it again and try and get a little bit better. Yeah. And when you mentioned that quote, which is a Harvecker quote, and because that was the person who I went and done a lot of training with, is how you do anything, how you do everything. So when I took that on board, I was like, well, if I'm going to run these networking events, I don't want it to just be like another networking event. Yeah. I want this to be different. I want to do this so it's the best networking event. Yeah. It's not just trying to be better than anyone else. It's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to yeah. go in and give it my all. Mm-hmm. And I, how can I, I was always inquisitive, how can I make this the best networking event? How can I engage the audience? What are they looking for? What type of speakers do they want? You know, and uh, and that's how I do anything at all. Cause it was instilled in me from my uncle. If you're going to sweep up, be the best sweeper. It was instilled in me from the people like a Eker. And I would have that mantra going over and over in my mind. And we all know those people that just do something It's either grudged or they just literally you know, they, they quickly do it, but they're not taking the time to actually be a master of something and doing it, just like giving the first class execution of whatever the task yeah. is. So when we started doing networking events and everything else. And um, when it comes to public speaking, I thought, well, if I'm going to be a public speaker um, and do this stuff, I need to practise, mm-hmm. you know? And, and for me, it was when you do your soul talk in school. So my soul talk uh, for English, um, I failed that. I, you know, I, I choked at that. So these memories kept on popping up, and I thought, well, if I'm going to get over this, I need to keep on practicing, need to yeah. keep on doing it. And it was just repetition. It was doing the reps. You know, if you want a six pack, you need to keep on doing the reps. Yeah. So I, I, I was prepared because I looked at myself. I went, well, I'm nineteen, 20, 21, and When I was doing the, the, the sorry, when I was doing the networking events, I was now twenty-four, going on twenty-five. I thought I'm 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 so young. Mm-hmm. Like I would look at all the people at the time and it wasn't a young man's game, Mm -hmm. property back 10 years ago, that was just mainly dominated by males, older, very different these days, very different. Nowadays we have got great people like yourself, a lot of great powerful women who are putting themselves forward and building amazing empires. You've got a lot of young people that you just wouldn't see um, back then. So for me, I thought, well, I'm the youngest person here. Mm -hmm. Um, I can make so many fuck ups, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I would go and I'd put myself in the fire lane again and mess up and go, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So quite quickly I realised that nothing I can do is going to have a catastrophic you know, disaster that's going to stop me from doing something going forward. Mm -hmm. So I would put myself in the firing line to be ridiculed, Mm -hmm. to mess up my words, to say something stupid, to bomb on stage. And I would go back, and a mantra you've heard me say a billion times is plan, do, review and improve. (laughs) So wouldn't it make sense if you actually want to get better at something, you first plan it, Mm -hmm. you execute on it and do it, review and go, well, how did I mess up? I said this, I did that, I was stiff there, you know, and then you improve. And that's what I do in in all areas of my life. So it was almost this commitment to master my craft, um, how you do anything, how you do everything. So, you know, if I was going to go and, you know, be a public speaker, I want to be the best that I could possibly be. And I'm still on that journey to continue to grow and, and learn. And when you speak in bigger stages with Kiyosaki and Cardone and stuff, it's a different level again. Yeah. But it's fun when you go out there and do it.
0: Well, you like to always throw yourself in the deep end, uh, much to the dismay of your team sometimes. Because <laughs> I mentioned that you brought Grank or Don over to the UK. I didn't mention was you gave your team less than eight weeks from start to finish to find the events in London, not just find the venues but to organise, to market, to sell the tickets for London, uh, Wales and Glasgow and you also you were collaborating with Lord Sugar as well and it was absolutely insane what you actually pulled off within such a short space of time wasn't it?
1: Yeah, how we pulled that off, I've still got no idea, to be honest, you know. Things just kept on delaying with the contract. And at one point I thought, in fact, I remember sitting there, said, off the table, we don't have the time. And once we took that away, um, it gave Cardone's team motivation to get the deal done. So yeah. it was a negotiation ongoing and um, thankfully we got it. And as soon as I signed the contracts and wired the money over for, for his payment effectively, which was a lot of funds, I'm like, what the fuck have we done? Mm-hmm. How are we possibly supposed to secure venues, mm-hmm. f- you know, market it, let people be aware of it um, in such a short period of time? And that's another example of putting yourself in the firing line. Yeah. Be- it wasn't so much that I was being uncomfortable, of, of which I was, but my whole team, we would yeah. su- such a smaller team than we have now mm-hmm. back then, and it was like baptism by fire, they were thrown into the deep end, and they became better versions of themselves having gone through that. Mm-hmm. So now that we do bigger events that are a few hundred at a time, it's like a walk in the park for them yeah. because what they were able to do. And that's another thing when we get back to, to just people in general, like sometimes, like I was a go-getter as in I knew I had to put myself in the fire, I'm like, yeah. but other people, if you surround yourself with the right people who are always going to push you, they will be the ones that push you mm. and you're like, shit, I didn't want to be doing this here, but you're getting pushed into yeah. it and that's how you evolve and grow. Yeah. So it's almost getting around those around you who will kind of push you and test you and get you to level up your game. Yeah, That's the people you want to be around, not people who are bitching and moaning and complaining and, you know, life, life has been tough and, you know, like, whinging about things, what benefit comes from spending time with people like that? You know, sitting talking about other people rather than talking about how you as an individual can grow.
0: I know that we're meant to, you know, be above this, but I've got to say I do find that there's an element of me that's fueled by spite and I do love to prove <laughs> people wrong. Is there yeah. a little bit of that for you?
1: Oh yeah, like listen, there's, there's, there's always, there's, <laughs> Let's always there's always, there's always, there's always <laughs> fuel in there um, you know, the Cardona event, take that for example, once yeah. we said that we were going to do it, everybody I don't care what they all say now, everybodys it's not possible. How can you run an event and get 2,000 people in London, then take them to Wales where Lord Sugar's speaking, and then take them to Glasgow and get 1,000 people there, and it's just not going to happen in that time frame, it's not even possible. That fuels you, it's like, okay, well, um, it's not a case I'm going to prove they wrong <laughs> and I'm right. It's more like, well, it's a challenge. You know, like, like we need to step up here. We mm. really need to give this a go. And emotions were, were high through that whole process. <laughs> um, you know, there's loads of stories that can come out of it, um, but, but it, it, it makes or breaks you. Yep. And even if it was a, a failure of which I've fallen flat in my face many times, it's where do you learn from it? Mm-hmm. It's not using the failure to say, well, I'm no longer going to move forward and do something like that again. Like last year, we had the contract ready to sign for three top speakers. And I
0: know one of them. I'm going to
1: mention them, right? Go I'm going on. to mention them. The top speaker, which was a half a million quid investment, yeah. was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know. Right? So when you're going to do that, make such a big, bold investment to bring a keynote like that, I mean... Fuck, how are you going to pull that off? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just the only keynote speaker, there was going to be others, yeah. and we were going to put on an unbelievable event. And then COVID happened. I don't know if it was a good or bad thing for us at that time, <laughs> but because we weren't prepared. Yeah. This was going to be an event that we, and you know our events. Our events are very different from anything else that's out there because, again, it goes back to how you do anything. How you do everything. Yeah. I want to do things differently. I want to really give so much value, and I'm yeah. sure lots of people give so much. But I want to really focus on delivering phenomenal content, phenomenal value, mm-hmm. so everybody in the room, you know, would get so much from it and want to come to these future events. Yeah. So my business model was evolving, yeah. and I wanted to do more like your your UK tours where we're bringing big speakers and really because. You know, a lot of education out there, you go to different events, you've got someone who does a keynote. I've done lots of keynotes and then um, promote the product or service or whatever, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But I want to bring these speakers that came and spoke for the best part of four hours, maybe a couple hours at a time, or or being seen more mm-hmm. rather than just a keynote. Now, Schwarzenegger was only doing a keynote, but we had other great you know, high profile speakers that were gonna come in and give more value.
0: Just to illustrate that point a little bit further. So I had your Access All Areas tickets, your your premium product, if you like, for when the Cardones come over. Yep. And I was sat next to, had Elena there and Grant there, having dinner with them, chat, 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 chat. You know, Ellie and Mark, Ellie and Mark, hugs, yep. you know, selfies, the next day going for lunch directly with them, chatting, doing, one-to-ones, doing Q&As, getting more photos, so,
1: so... So see something you just said there, right? Yeah. This is a big thing. This is what really changed the game for me. And I learned this when I went to these different networking events and different um, personal development events. There's ticket brackets. Mm-hmm. And I always joke that, um, you know, you can't afford not to pay the highest ticket bracket. Mm-hmm. You can't afford not to. And the reality is, in my early days, I couldn't afford. The only reason I went to that Harvecker event is because I went to another event, and they happened to send an email with a gift of a free ticket. So, I'd, so I could, which was sixty-nine pounds, was a ticket. And this free ticket was a was I had to get that to be able to attend that event. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like not being able to go for the highest ticket bracket, mm-hmm. right? But it's the networking. So you get an opportunity the next day to sit down to have breakfast with them, which would not have happened if they never saw you in that same room mm-hmm. paying the ticket bracket, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have entertained you. No. So this is the thing what you what people miss. Not only because the Cardone event was unbelievable and all, you know, access and and the the premium ticket that you bought, which was what, a couple of grand or something grand. like that, right? It was just crazy, crazy. cheap. And it's the other people in the room as well. Yeah. Like the people in the room were phenomenal yeah. and if you can work that room, getting around a different thing, networking, the amount of business has been done off the back of that. Um, outside the event, is frightening for myself and I know that for many other people as well.
0: Yeah, but the lesson that you guys taught me that quite early on, and it's been invaluable. Yeah. I came again seeing top premium tickets at the Robert Kiyosaki event. Yeah. we were going to be on stage, wanted to come and see you. And obviously, you listened to Robert as well. And I think I picked up three clients at that event not pitching at all but just through chatting what do you property all right okay so they heard you on stage some people wanted to to come and do the training other people have got their own businesses and just wanted a portfolio built in and it's QLE Ellie Mackay but if you weren't sat you know having put yourself in that environment with other people who value their own personal development as well and usually there's like an evening meal and a bit of a social where people are a bit more relaxed and having a glass of wine and you know the conversations uh, sort of flowing nice and and freely It, it really is priceless but I feel like a lot of people despite the message being quite clear I don't think they fully grasping is that accountability well it's alright for you but I've not got the money it's like well I didn't have the money either when I started on this crazy journey I was on job seekers allowance the money as I said earlier in its entirety went to our education but we actually sold our property we sold our family home and um, the, the house sale collapsed to, for our ongoing chain and we moved into a rental and we made the decision to invest um, all our money in, into the business. Uh, not necessarily into property deals as such, but into our own development, our systems, or processes, staff, etc. When people say it's all right for you, I think there's a presumption that you've had some sort of a silver spoon, as opposed to actually, well, you could do that as well if you want to go and sell your home and invest every last penny or put yourself out there. And people quite often, this is a, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but a bit, bit of a rant, really, but pe- people talk about, I'm, I'll do whatever it takes. But there are so many sort of terms and conditions attached to that, Yeah. but I'm not, I'm not willing to put myself out there on social media, or I don't want to do the public speaking, or well, yeah, but I don't actually want to take on staff, and it's like, or work weekends, or travel anywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah we, we, we try and come up with um, good, plausible justifications yeah. of why, and we try and convince ourselves to make ourselves right uh, why. We'll do everything apart from X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you know the, the biggest thing for me, if I was to pinpoint it of one thing that 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 drives me, that gets me to think about the next level, and um, that gets me to think about um, just improving. Anything is being around like people who are operating a different level, mm-hmm. uh, because we all get to a certain stage that if you're the 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 one that's knows the most in your peer group, being the one that's given all the advice chances are is that you're feeling comfortable of being the go-to person. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you're in a room with a bunch of people and you know subconsciously yourself, you're like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a higher level. Why would you ever want to be in that situation? Mm-hmm. I want to go to a room like the the premium tickets. Like I remember when, when Billy and I, we went down and uh, did the Tony Robbins uh, for the second time, UPW, and we got the Saltar tickets, mm-hmm. which again, I can't remember much, about so we five grand or something like that. I
0: was with you.
1: Uh, of course, yeah, so so we were there. And what was it like when we're backstage, we're yeah. in the room? You're, you're, you're meeting people that you wouldn't normally meet, and then mm-hmm. you're sitting there going, fucking hell, I've been playing it so, like, like I've been playing at this level, and this playing person small. here, playing small.
0: You were talking, right. it, we're listening to people talking about structuring billion pound deals as opposed to million plus pound deals and it makes you realize that you think you're playing it's we we spoke about this a little bit with COVID as well obviously there's been a lot of downsides to the global pandemic I appreciate that I'm not going to get into that but in terms of the opportunities that kind of came from it when you kind of got blindsided by COVID in the first instance there was a Mm -hmm. real kind of opportunity to sort of level up and you were saying as that the training business for example is pretty much choked and suspended, yeah. it allowed you to free up your time more on bigger multi million pound developments that you probably wouldn't have had access to had yeah. the trajectory continued.
1: You're right. You know that's why I started off at the beginning saying who's Paul McFadden, like today Paul McFadden is an investor Yeah. Uh, in the sense that I look for opportunities and you're right. Running the training business takes up a lot of time and, and and there was a lot of energy and wanting to do these bigger events with Schwarzenegger and stuff, uh, it takes a lot of time and energy. So when COVID hit and the event space kind of took a hit and things, it allowed me to sit back, reflect and see what to do. and and where i wanted to to channel my energy and time and we were working on some larger scale projects but i was more of a passenger because i built my business deliberately so i don't have to be in my business Mm -hmm. i'll talk about it the moment you transition from working into working on is the minute your income your business goes through the roof we need to realize that we are our biggest blockage now i get it we all need to get in the trenches we all need to do the work but the sooner you can build a team and get yourself out there then you can take an extended holiday if you want, you know, mm. things are getting done. Anyway, so I had a team that done all the due diligence and the developments. Um, I would get reports and everything else and, uh, you know, some great projects there. But then I'm like, OK, well, I've got time. Why don't I take a bit more of an interest? I On the weekly Zoom calls, I would um, actually take the time to look through the appraisals and ask questions. and. I got my mind stimulated so much more and it got me more driven to then go out there and network a little bit, tap into my contacts and get more opportunities. So um, in terms of securing more opportunities, investing in the right things, um, speaking to the right people to see what other opportunities to diversify into. On diversification, I think for, Anybody, when they're getting started, they need to focus on one thing to get the one thing going before you start diversifying into a a bunch of other stuff in a very different space in my journey to then do that. So I started doing all of this here. And yeah, I wouldn't have had those opportunities if there wasn't a crisis. Mm -hmm. With any crisis comes opportunities Mm -hmm. for those who see it. And that's the biggest thing. And again, it goes back to the same thing, who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. You know. I know so many people who have done, uh, who who businesses have failed. Those businesses have failed because they never had the right people around them to get them to level up, to really think differently, to get through that, to push, to think differently, to to pivot, to evolve. Someone with a growth mentality around other people who are pivoting, evolving, changing, someone you can pick up the phone to and talk to and go, what are you doing here? Speed of implementation. Mm -hmm. That happens with people who are Go-getters. Yeah. They're not sitting there waiting for the market to dictate how well their business is going to be or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so many people get caught out and they get caught out because they've just become complacent. Mm-hmm. And the only way to stop complacency is to get around a different level. I think it was Dan Pena, for those that don't know the, I think he calls himself the trillion dollar man now, <laughs> but it was the 50 billion dollar <laughs> man back then. I went there eight days in the Castle Seminar. And I went there at the age of 27 um, thinking I was a somebody. I went in there with a little bit of a swagger, right? I had a big portfolio, um, making a lot of money, um, you know, my status and 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 everything, people getting to know about me. Like I thought I was a somebody, right? And um, I'm glad I had that experience because I walked in there and in the first morning I realised I was an absolute nobody. <laughs> because I became like, I, I, everything I'm saying here, I'm guilty of it. I realised that I got to a level that I was sitting with those that I was interacting and engaging with as, if you want to call it, the most successful person in yeah. that network, and I was comfortable at that, and I enjoyed it, and I liked that, and I never realised until I went into the Harvard—not the Harvard, actually—the the Pena, um, you know, event, and realised, shit, this guy here is just one of the 150 people who's got a ticket to go with Richard Branson to go and, you know, do the Virgin Galactic, you know, space travel yeah. thing. This person here owns God knows how many care homes. This person here is involved in these bigger developments. Yeah. This person's wrote an app and sold it for a hundred million. I'm like, holy shit, there's a different level. And then when you're interacting, getting you listening to your stories and what he's gone through and the things. I left there thinking, everything I've achieved up to that moment, I was doing it so small i've achieved nothing in my life and my failure do you know like that you know what happens
0: people want the secret sauce yeah well, guys we're just giving you the secret sauce it doesn't matter what your sector is for me it is everything paul's just said there it truly is it's about getting around people that really make you challenge everything your perception of not just business but life it's been the most powerful the prolific message that you guys have just reiterated time and time again, but we talk about the name of the podcast, the On The Mission podcast. As you have got more successful, you've been able to really double down on what your why is. And I know you don't talk about it quite publicly, but you're quite involved setting up your own social enterprise. You do a lot of charity work and coaching and mentoring with young entrepreneurs. Do you want to perhaps lean into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I always thought I'd be doing this in my forties. I don't know why I thought Once I turn 40, then I'll do this. And then I had a conversation at the beginning of the year that that got me thinking, why wait another five or so years? Why not launch it now when I'm passionate about it and it's something I always talk about? And when I talk about it, it gets me fired up. And when I talk to others, it tends to get them fired up too. So, yeah, listen, you know, we do a lot for charity and stuff and it's great to support good causes. It's good to, in a sense, give money that that money's actually going to go and help. And I'm all for that part of me is thinking that just giving someone money there's a lot of people in need that need that but what if you could get people at a younger age and it's not just younger folk it's you know adults as well um, that just don't have the right financial education I'm guilty of that I didn't get taught this stuff at school didn't get taught mindset didn't get taught my self-worth didn't get taught confidence didn't get taught what's an asset, what's a liability, Mm -hmm. you know, how to make money, how to multiply money, how Mm -hmm. to invest money, Mm -hmm. how to look at risk and reward. You don't get taught this stuff. And um, part of the foundation which we're launching, in fact I was meeting with um, uh, the accountant yesterday and and we've got some great names that's going to come on as trustees of the the foundation which will remain um, unknown at the moment. But I'm so excited about it. The whole idea and what we're going to be launching is a not-for-profit foundation. And um, and the idea is is to, just to take that financial education to those who need it most, starting with those who are in their mid to late teens. Yeah. And then we'll start being able to help um, anyone who needs it. Because yeah. the reality is, if I take my mum as an example, you know, like, she's not good with money. Mm-hmm. I have to assist and help her. So it's like adults as well. So let's start where we can start and yeah. influence the youth because if you can help someone to think differently, to approach life differently, whether it's to be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's to do things to the best of your ability, how you do everything, instill the same things that have been instilled into me and then later on the financial side of things, how to manage money, how to make money, how to look at things differently. If you can get people understanding that in their mid to late teens. Think about the impact that that's going to do, like that's such like imagine that we were able to get a hundred thousand people in the next ten years to go through that. Mm-hmm. That hundred thousand people will then educate their family different traits. They'll educate those closest to them. You know the more people that we can get, especially at a younger age, and get them to think differently, it's just that butterfly effect. yeah, and that there is why. I'm passionate about this, I'm excited about it. Um, It's not just about Paul McFadden. It's not gonna have Paul McFadden's name against it. It's gonna have a name which we're working on just now because it's gonna have to be bigger than me. This is gonna live beyond me. This is something that I want to grow and um, have amazing people, hopefully yourself and stuff like that as well, involved to support it, to help Mm it. And um, I'm super excited about it. We've got such a big vision for it. I thought it was gonna be another five or so years away before we kick it off, but it's grown. Know yeah, a lot of momentum just now, and uh, I'm quite passionate about it. So, uh, we'll it. be talking about it more in the, the coming months for sure.
0: It's great every time I hear you talk about it, you've got a sparkle in your eye. Yeah. Well, Paul, I could talk to you all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. You've been an absolutely phenomenal guest, as I knew you would be. Yeah. You're certainly a man on a mission, <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for being really valuable to the listeners. Thanks very much for your time.
1: This was fun. Thanks, Ellie. Appreciate thanks, it. Paul.
0: Cheers. <laughs> that concludes another episode of the power of property if you've enjoyed today's content please make sure you leave a review subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you feel would get value from it it really does make a difference until next time goodbye